Welcome to No Compromise, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. Hi, Johnny. Hello, my love. Hi, everyone. So what's new this week, Johnny? Well, we just did our first interview, our first chat with Raymond Mahal. Yeah, we today. want to keep calling it an interview, but it's really not an interview. It's it's more like just talking. Having a conversation right. with our friends. <laughs> exactly. And so this past Monday, you reposted again your Memorial Day episode. Right. About for the my, Christian atheist. About my father, Leroy Wise. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and what I, was the significance? I mean, there was a lot of significance of your father, but... But the reason you posted him for Memorial Day was? Well, to remember those who gave their lives in service of our nation. Right. Because the United States is a unique nation in the history of all mankind. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a particular poignancy this year because (laughs) we've connected with the Mad Scott. Yeah. And his father was Mm -hmm. at Dunkirk. um, At Dunkirk. That's Mm -hmm. right. When it was being evacuated. Right. And there's, again, but wait, certain... you forgot to mention your father. I mean, unless you listened Monday, your father was at Pearl Harbor. At Pearl Harbor, right. right. And so, in its own way, it seems as though God has brought full circle mm-hmm. this connection with the mascots. Right, the sons. Who, whose father, mm-hmm. yeah, was at Dunkirk. Right. And my dad was at Pearl Harbor. Right. And those were two of the decisive moments in World War II. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's stunning in its own way. Yeah. Okay, so there's a link to that episode in the description if you missed it on Monday. Okay, and I hope everybody had a nice Memorial Day. Okay, another thing I wanted to remind everyone is that if you're finding the Christian atheist to be too dense, as we found a lot of people have found. (laughs) You may find starting with episodes from the beginning of this year, 2023, would be more easy listening. So if you're browsing through our library, start with the episodes that are in January of 2023. They're less dense. Right. Yeah. That might be a good introduction. And then if you're struggling... Of course, I always point most of our initial readers to our first 10 episodes, which introduce who the Christian atheist is and what we're doing, what we're all about. And right. so that's probably the best place to start. Right. But after that, maybe it's if, if useful. It, yeah. If it, if it feels too dense, start in January 2023 and we you tone things down because right. of the feedback you were receiving. Right. And we've tried with no compromise to mm-hmm. give people a way into the more difficult things that we do mm-hmm. in this podcast. Right, right. One of one of our listeners called the Christian Atheist Graduate School for Christians. <laughs> and uh, I don't set out to do that, uh-huh. but I do think of things, I guess, more deeply than most people do. And, well, you're a philosopher. Yeah, and yep. I don't try to. I always sort of start with the assumption that everybody knows exactly everything I do. Mm-hmm. And that gets me in trouble all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so for the past two weeks, we discussed two poems by Rudyard Kipling called The Gods of the Copybook Headings and If. The former is more of a warning to society about the cycle that happens. Right. And the latter was more of an encouragement, sort of the answer to the first, right? Right. If you follow these things, you're not going to have those issues. Exactly. If you live according to the structures of the universe that God has put in place and given us very clear instructions about how to live, then things will go well for you. 
But if you start to live with these pie-in-the-sky views of ultra-rationalistic life, the sort of Hegelian thing we've Mm -hmm. been warning against in the Christian atheist, then things are going to fall apart for you. Right. Okay, so this week we decided to discuss a major archaeological discovery that you have been especially excited about. <laughs> yes, I've been following this since we first heard of it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you did a Christian Atheist episode on the discovery of this Right, of this episode artifact. number 52. Mm-hmm. And the link will be in the description. Okay, so before we start talking about the discovery, let's do a little background information. Let's go way back. Okay. Um, and we're going to go way back into the Bible. Joshua chapter 8, it starts at verse 30. Right, so we'll read it. Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. The the Lord, the God of Israel. That's Yahweh, the El, the Elohim, the God of Israel. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. And that's in Deuteronomy, that passage where he commanded this to happen. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool has been used. On it, they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. There in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. All the Israelites with their elders, officials, and judges were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Both the foreigners living among them and the native-born were there. Half of the people, and this is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, Mm -hmm. as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formerly commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Verse 34. Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. And that ends the chapter. Okay, so that's the background from the Bible. So let's go to the archaeological dig that led us to the find that we're going to discuss. Okay. Okay, why don't you go back to the beginning and explain it, everything as if no one knows what happened. And there's two parts to this story. Yes, two essentially right. important goes, archaeological discoveries. Right, and one goes back to the, the 80s. The 1980s, right. yes. Okay, so... It starts out with a man named Adam Zertal. Yes. Adam Zertal was an important archaeologist mm-hmm. who was doing excavations during the 1980s. And was when he Hebrew? He was Hebrew. Okay. He worked, I think, for the University of Haifa. Oh, okay. And he was pretty much a convinced leftist. Mm-hmm. And then he began to do investigations of the Manasseh Hill Country. And interestingly, he was doing that when I visited Israel oh, in the okay. 1980s when I was in Bible college. But you weren't. I have no memory of it at all. Yeah. <laughs> but he would have been there actually doing the excavations when I was visiting and walking around 
in Israel, right. which to me is absolutely it's kind stunning. Of interesting, yeah. It hits me hard when I think about because it. Because right after that, you walked away. I did. You come back, and right after you come back, this discovery happens. <laughs> this discovery happens as a result of Zertal's investigations. Sort of like and it was for him also mm-hmm. a turnaround. Yeah. Because he didn't believe, he was much more on the leftist side of the debate in the archaeological community. He would have probably embraced the documentary hypothesis, the JEDP Mm -hmm. theory. And yet this discovery that he found on Mount Ebal, he believed that he found the actual altar that Joshua talks about in that passage we just read. That we just read, right. Right. So it's Joshua's altar. He made the claim that it was that. Mm -hmm. And boy, it was fiercely debated and hotly debated. (laughs) Because you can imagine... All of the leftist views of the biblical narrative based on the documentary hypothesis. Right. If Zertal's, it was right, this throws all of that into question. Mm -hmm. And for Zertal, who was, as I understand it, himself a convinced member of that community, to have turned about and said, Ooh, this evidence leads me in an entirely new direction. Right. And we as humans That's don't. stunning. Yeah, we as humans don't like to be changing our direction. Right. <laughs> right. So he investigated the Mount Ebal that we talk about, that we read just read about in the Joshua passage. That's also referred to in, in Deuteronomy as to what was supposed to happen. The Mount of the Curse was Mount Ebal. Right. And he found an altar there, just as the biblical passage that we just read said that there was, that Joshua constructed. And he had a scrap pile, right? Right. Sort of like a a pile of... Right. The typical procedure of archaeological digs Mm -hmm. was that you remove the soil, you sift the soil, and then you dump it in a particular place. That's Mm -hmm. just the procedure. Yeah. Um, So he found what he could. From the various levels, he sifted it, and then he put the remains in particular places. Right. And he separated the remains from what was the oldest of the finds, which is the older circular altar mm-hmm. that he believed was the altar of Joshua, right. which had a later altar built on top of it that was a rectangular altar. So he divided the two strata and he put the older stuff in one place and the younger stuff in another place. Right. And what were those places called? Dump piles. Dump piles. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he placed all of the stuff in right. the dump piles. Now, time goes by. Right. 30 years. Mm-hmm. He passed More away. More than 30 years, actually. Zertol, I think, died in somewhere in the 20-teens. All right. And then the Associates for Biblical Research... They right. go over there. Now, right. what, what happened from then? Well, and I'm sorry. First of all, what year was that? Um, well, it's 2019 that they mm-hmm. actually did the sifting, I believe it was. Of the dump piles. Of the dump piles. Right. And this is the Associates for Biblical Research with Scott Stripling. Right. And interestingly enough, the Associates for Biblical Research is centered in Akron, Pennsylvania, which is just, just up the road 20 from minutes us. from us, right? And that's a fascinating fact, thing. our um, connection group at church went there, right? you know, to visit. Right, and a, and a personal friend from church actually works below them, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's interesting, too. So yeah. we have like a personal connection to the whole thing that we weren't even really aware of. We weren't aware and of. Interestingly enough, when, 
when the message came yeah. through on my phone announcing that this discovery had been proclaimed, mm-hmm. we were at Tom's house at the time mm-hmm. having a dinner with them. And I saw it on my phone and I got so excited. Yeah. It's like, wow, yeah. look at this. That's just come. And I just, I, did I show it to Tom? And somehow we come, we came to realize that it they were like centered mm-hmm. below him or above him. Mm-hmm. They're, okay. bo- they're above him. Yeah. They're above That's him so funny. in the same building. It was just a lot of coincidence. Yeah, it's <laughs> very weird. It's like, it's, it's weird in the way that God is always weird mm-hmm. in our lives since I've come back. Mm-hmm. He directs all of these things in such a way that they're all so profoundly interconnected mm-hmm. that it just defies right. chance. Right, exactly. Okay, so let's get back to you. You discussed Adam Zertel. Yes. He's the one that began the dig, and he had these two dump piles. Right. And then later on, in 2019, Scott Stripling from the Associates for Biblical Research, he went over there and he's investigating the dump piles. Right. Was there any reason he decided to do that or it was just... Yeah. Well, the politics of it mm-hmm. meant that he couldn't do any actual digs. Right. Because the Palestinian Authority is now in charge of that section of Israel. So that so forced him to focus on right. the dump piles so that instead, were already dug. Scott Stripling had the idea that what he wanted to do was emphasize that the archaeological procedures that we've been engaging in for years and years and years needs to be more refined. And so he wanted to do a paper that would exemplify that what we need to do with all of these dump piles is more carefully sift them and mm-hmm. then wet sift wet them. Wet sift, right. Because we're missing a large amount of data by just simply what dry sifting them and then throwing aside the stuff we're done with. Yeah. And so that was the point that's what of he what did. he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why, since he couldn't do any actual digs there, he was allowed to do a sifting of what was already dug. Right. And that was the dump pile. And that was that the dump pile. Had... Right. Okay. Okay. So that was the actual dig. Now, what did they find? Let's start with the title of the, their scholarly paper. On the fine, because that describes it perfectly, right? Right. Go ahead. So this is the title of the scholarly paper that has finally just come out, what, two weeks ago? Yep. And I've been waiting anxiously been waiting for this for forever. a long time, for almost a year now. <laughs> um, It's been driving me insane. It I was. keep looking week after week. Jenny must be crazy about how much I've been looking to, to try be, to find this. I had to be your cheerleader yeah. and say, it's okay. <laughs> and I was so frustrated because it didn't come out and they promised it They promised it late last yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't come out until like early this summer. Yeah. Well, early this spring. Okay. Yep. So like this spring. Probably about a year after they made the announcement originally last year in March. Right. And right. so the title of the scholarly paper is this, quote, you are cursed by the God Yahweh, end quote, an early Hebrew inscription from Mount Ebal. Okay. Oh, is that a teaser? Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what they found was a curse tablet. Yes, a curse tablet. And we're going to talk about that. And you, Sometimes you can, called a defixio. You can explain all of that. So for now, it had 48 letters, and they found that it's centuries older than any known Hebrew inscription from ancient Israel. Yes. And after they found it, they sent it to the Czech Republic. Yep. 
where they were collaborating with four scientists from the Academy of Scientists of the Czech Republic and two epigraphers to figure out what it said and what, what was inside. Because, Well, you'll describe it in a couple seconds. They used tomographic scanning. Mm-hmm. To because they they weren't able to open it, which you'll you'll explain soon. Go ahead and and explain exactly what it is. Give us. So what they discovered uh-huh. was a lead amulet. This is one way of talking about. It. There's, and, there's several second, different how, languages. How big is it? So it is two by two centimeters. Okay. So it's essentially what we're seeing is a square piece of lead. That's a, almost an inch by an inch. Right, <laughs> and it's been folded in half. And so what we have is a strip of lead Mm -hmm. that's about, what, four centimeters long that has been folded in half. And so what we have is the two halves folded together. So we have a square of lead, and they call it various names. Some have said an amulet, but they call it a defixio. But defixio simply means it's a curse tablet. Okay, so think of it as a piece of paper that's four centimeters long it, today. And by two, four you, by two. You write on it, and then you fold it in half, and it goes in for the ages somewhere, right. you know, in right. the ground. But or instead something. of paper, it's lead. But yeah, it's, a sheet it's of written lead. on lead, which means that they had to engrave it. Use like a, a stylus. Right. Use like a they stylus. talk about in the book of Job. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what they found. Yes. Go ahead. So these are not. Anything that's new unusual. or yeah. unusual they find in them archaeology. All over the place. Most archaeologists have found these. They're well documented, but most of them have come from the, the Greco Roman period. Mm-hmm. And so when Scott Stripling saw this, someone of the party that he was working with him found it. He said, Okay, it's you know an older piece. Kind of strange that we find it here. Because this is not from that time period, right. but somehow or other it got here. And he just assumed, based on his own experience, that this was something from a much later date. Right. But in the back of his head, he's thinking something's weird because about this. Because it's here. Because it's here. And and then when you when you combine that with Sir Tal thinking that Right, that this, this is, is the, the altar of Joshua. Yeah. So he was struck immediately that there might be something unusual mm-hmm. about this piece. And they tested the lead. And the lead came from a very particular place in Greece mm-hmm. that was a lead mine that was only active mm-hmm. towards the end of the late Bronze okay. Age. Okay. So it was clearly old, quite old, older than the age that most lead tablets that they've examined and found were from. Right. And so this was a strange thing already. And he began to think that there might be something worth discovering about this and worth investigating further. And so with the testing of the lead, they also noted that there were what looked like, and of course it's been exposed to you know, years and years, thousands of years (laughs) already of the elements. Right. And yet on the outside, it still looked as though there was something written Mm -hmm. there. And of course, in defixios, in lead tablets like this, there's always something written. Right. And so they sent it for something technology-wise that has only recently been able to be done. Right. To scan inside a lead tablet Mm -hmm. and maybe read 
what's inside and this he, lead tablet. Didn't he say he didn't know that this technology was available at this yeah, time? Yeah, he himself was not aware right. that the technology was available. And then he became aware and he was like, this would be okay. perfect for this. So we'll send it there right. and they can is analyze that, it. Is that, was that in the Czech Republic? That was in the Czech Republic, okay. right, that did this the tomographic analysis okay. of this. And so after a lengthy scanning process, which is detailed in the in, in the, the article, scholarly, in the scholarly article, paper, which mm -hmm. you know is way above my pay grade to understand. I just read it to you today. We got portions out of it that makes yeah. a lot of sense to us. You must have but, to be an archaeologist yeah. to understand. Yeah. Or, or yeah, or a scientist who works with tomographic analysis. Yeah, an epi um, epigrapher and, too. <laughs> and the, the epigraphers who, who translated it right. as well. Yeah. And interestingly, one of the first things I did after this announcement was made mm -hmm. that the scholarly article had been released was to try to find critical yeah. response to it. And the one Have critical response anything? that I found was from Christopher Rolston. And if you go back to my Christian Atheist episode number 52, mm -hmm. Christopher Rolston is one of the critics that I quote there. Yep. And I have a lot of respect for Christopher Rolston. But his response yeah, it was, to this. It was interesting. And I don't want to be unfair because I didn't read it, mm -hmm. but it, I got a report of it that what he said was, they're crazy, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. And that seems to me to be a most unscholarly response yeah, yeah. to this report. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't want to be unfair. I want to read what Chris has to say. I think mm -hmm. he's a bright man. I think he in his own way, is trying to find the truth. Right. But there is a profound resistance yeah. to what this tablet might represent right. if it is what right. it appears to be. And so there's an ulterior motive, mm -hmm. I think, lurking behind a lot of the critical response yep. that needs to be weighed and it, carefully. And it has to do with where you come from. Right. Do you know? And we've got a lot more to say about this, too. Yeah. Okay. So, John, what is this thing? What is a cursed tablet? You haven't even, we haven't even explained what a cursed tablet really is. Right. So, so for now, you said about four, think of it as a four centimeter piece of paper where you write something in, fold it in half, and then set it aside. But this, instead of paper, it's lead and you used a... A stylus. A stylus to, to it. Right. To so it's kind of like in. an iron stylus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is it? And you know, why, why? They also use the term amulet. Mm -hmm. And of course, amulet conveys the idea of a sort of religious or magical notion that what we're doing is binding ourselves to the terms of a legal contract. Right. And this corresponds exactly to what Moses says in Deuteronomy, right. what he commands Joshua to do, and what Joshua, in fact, does in the passage that we just read mm -hmm. in Joshua, that the Hebrews were proclaiming their side of the agreement with God. Right, the curse right? side. The curse side. Because there was the blessing side and the curse side. Right. God says, here is my agreement with you. Mm -hmm. Do as I ask you to do. If you do, you will be blessed. And there's Mount Gerizim. Right. But this was found. But this was. This is the curse on Mount right. Ebal. Right. And so the blessings and the curses are the responsibility and the and the consequences right. that God is laying out exactly as we see them right. in the biblical text. And this was 
That's why it's called the Mount Ebal. The Mount Ebal, the, the Mount of the Curse. But the Mount Ebal Curse Tablet. Yes, and this is called what has been discovered, the Mount Ebal Curse Tablet, the Defixio, because this is like the oldest, one of the oldest of its kind ever but, discovered. But what I'm trying to ask you is, what is a curse tablet? Like, what what are they? What, what I, I was the purpose for them? Once the agreement is written on mm-hmm. the inside and yeah. you fold it together, it's kind of like a binding contract between so the person it, who has it written. Is it sort and, of like somebody making a pilgrimage somewhere or you it would could get, be that you would get a cursed tablet because maybe you feel the weight of your sin and then what would you do with it right so you're agreeing to the terms that god sets and who forth would, who would hand out these cursed tablets it would probably be an individual who uh-huh. goes to a priest or or a scribe and has them write it out yeah. and then they drop it onto the altar or it could even be something far more serious than that. Would, it could be something from the priestly moment of the ceremony okay, that that we read Joshua, about in the Bible. Yeah, that Joshua is talking about. So it's either and he's, it's, it's the binding moment where okay. Joshua is sick. And you know, I I have my doubts that this is the Joshua that piece. It wasn't the moment, but it could be. Yeah, right. It so could it be could be moment. the moment that we read about in the Bible, or it could be someone who felt the weight of their sin, right. went to the priest, got this tablet, laid it on the altar. Right. Exactly. Right. Yes. Because and they probably would have paid for the priest to do it. Right. Let's look at what the tablet actually said. The one that they found. Yes. It says, "You are cursed by the God Yahweh. Cursed. You will die. Cursed. Cursed. You will surely die. Cursed." You are by Yahweh cursed. Mm-hmm. Very happy. Uh, I mean, that's it's a very pleasant text, isn't it? <laughs> but you know. uh, but it represents someone saying, "Look, if you do not follow the terms mm-hmm. of the agreement, here are the consequences yeah. of what will come upon you." Right. And so you're binding yourself mm-hmm. to the compact. It could be somebody who was making a making a commitment at that moment. Exactly. Okay. There's I mean, there's so many stories you could put around it about right. who did this and why they did it. Yep. But the importance of this, okay, so we, we know the biblical reference, we know the background on the dig and, and what was found. So now what is the importance? What why does it matter? I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, You can have your religious cake and eat it, too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.